Hi, this is Bashar, and you're listening to Skirmish Podcast. This is episode 2, and our guest today is Nicolas Kretschy, a German part-time indie game developer whose game, Will Glow the West, has just gotten greenlit on Steam. If you are working in the game industry, then you need an online portfolio to show your work. Skirmish helps you build that online portfolio for free and gives you a chance to connect with other developers. So please check us out at skirmish.io. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, so, Nikki, uh, why don't you start by telling us a little about yourself, uh, how and where you grew up, your education, your current full-time job, and how did you get into the game industry? <clears throat> yeah, so I grew up in Germany in a small village, basically, near Würzburg, which probably most people will not know, but yeah, anyway, it's in, more or less in the middle of Germany. And um, my education, um, I basically started um, like um, as a student, but I um, broke up, I I boarded the I'm studying and then I did I did basically directly work as a trainee. I don't know if if you're familiar with that. It's a German thing. You can basically instead of studying you you will go to school and also work at the same time at the at a company mm-hmm. and um basically do it half half and I did that and then now I'm working where I also um, was a trainee which is a clinical trial um, company called ERT e-research technology and I work there as a software developer mm-hmm. yeah and um, the game industry like it was a long dream for me like for a long time to get into the game industry and um, I never really got the chance like I I could have um, started working in like um, mobile gaming as a trainee also but um, I felt like I wanted to go the indie route more than actually um, working at a big company because I felt like you are very constrained there so mm-hmm. that's basically why i decided later to reduce my hours which i'm where i'm right now i work only three and a half days a week for the company like my full-time job whatever and then one and a half days i work on the game okay that's it's, it's an interesting path that you can skip college and all the fees and start working directly <laughs> yeah. and interesting to have the option to minimize your working days as well <laughs> Yeah, that that's a German law in Germany. If you work for, I don't know, like I think it's three years in one company, mm-hmm. the law says you are allowed to reduce your working hours. I don't know what the minimum is, but there's, there, there ought to be a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the company can basically not tell you you can't do it. Um, they can delay it a little bit and they can say like for economic reasons, they need a little bit more time, but... Basically, they have to allow it to you. Like, obviously, if the company isn't really hot on keeping you, they will still just find another reason to fire you, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, they, they cannot really deny you that. Like, it's not an option to say you cannot reduce your hours. It has to be done in half a year. And like, they, they note when I went to my company, like, they, they wrote down the time and the day mm-hmm. where I requested it. So they know how much time they have left until they have to do it, basically. Uh, um, just curious, what's the reason for that rule? Is it to allow people to have their own time uh, and develop things? I think the, I'm I, I'm not quite familiar with the with the law on that, but I think it's um, also because of um, people who get children mm-hmm. and who want to work less. But um, like a, a lot of time, like there the, in the past, there was a lot of people who say we will not have part part time people mm-hmm. because it's 
I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't really know why. If someone is doing good work, I think it's still fine if he's only there three and a half days or like four days a week. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I think that's the reason so that people who have like other stuff to do or even not even children, maybe you have to look um, after your your mother when she gets older or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is the reason, like so, social reasons, I think. Got it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so when did you exactly start as an indie developer and how did you get about learning the skills needed? Yeah, so yeah, basically like um, this when I started around, I think two years ago, mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to do a card game like because I'm a huge magic player in the past or I mm -hmm. was a huge magic player in the past. I played in the uh, professional scene a little bit and um, so I thought I wanted to do a trading card game, but it was like it's so much work to do a trading card game. And also you would need to maintain working on it after, even after release, like for a long time, because like that's where your money basically is mm -hmm. releasing new sets, new cards. And so I figured at some point I should just abort it. That was, I think, like one and a half years ago, around that time. Yeah. And um, when I aborted it, I did a very small, extremely small game um, called For Smile for Android, which basically was just for me and my girlfriend so we can play it. <laughs> and but I then re it it got a little bit bigger and so I released it um on onto the store. And yeah, but it didn't do well, but I didn't really expect it to do well. That's and nice you then, made a game for your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and then um yeah once that was finished basically um I started working on Wild Load Wisp. Uh, great, yeah. Uh, tell us a little more about that. It's a very interesting game. I tried it before I tried the demos. I've been following it. It's really, it seems like an exciting game. Yeah, so, um, like, after what, what I just said, after I finished working on the on the card game, I wanted to do something very small. And then I worked on Force My, which is basically like a, like, it's basically, it's like a little bit more complex tic-tac-toe game, maybe. And um, so I saw basically both sides and, like I put a lot of effort even still into the smaller game because I wanted to polish it and it should look nice and everything. So I saw how much work it was just to do something that small. And so I figured I really want to do something small. So I did a couple of prototypes and then I, one day I just um, played around with the physics in Unity and basically the, the, the movement controls, like a very rough version of the movement controls, um, was there and I had the instant respawn already and um, like a little bit glowy, still very different, but also the visuals were kind of similar. So I, I basically tried it and it, it was like quite a lot of fun for me and my girlfriend liked it as well. So I figured why not try doing this? And for me, a really big thing for me was because I'm doing this all alone is that I can aim, aim that I'm able to do the graphical stuff because like, I'm quite confident in my, um, programming skills because I'm doing it all the time, basically every day in the week. So I'm not really afraid of um, being able to program a game. I think um, I'm I can do that easily. Like most of the stuff that will come up is will be solvable, or I probably even have heard of it. So that's why I choose this game with a very like I like the graphics, but it's very low low-fi. Like not a lot of effort from my part. Like not a lot of new learning. I guess it's like all particle-based, and yeah. But I guess we talk about it later as well. Yeah. All right. So if I do the math correctly, uh, this game has been in development like one and a half years right now. It's like yeah, it's one year and like a couple of months because like the prototype was in between. And but 
like I'm working only part-time. So in real man months, it's like around four months, three to four months, something between that. I must say pretty impressive progress from zero to releasing the first game. That's, <laughs> that's a really good progress in a short amount of time. Yeah. Thanks. But yeah, as I said, like I, I have a lot of experience now with programming um, already. So I think that helps a lot. If you have one part that you're working on, really understanding that and even the same language as I work on in my real job. So yeah, but it's the game design. The yes. game design is really nice. It's not just the programming. Yeah. So that, that's what I, I like about it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was not easy. <laughs> so you're working as a solo indie developer, and that's usually very hard. Why did you decide to go down that path? And there's a couple of reasons. Like, um, first of all, I wanted to do, as I said before, I wanted to have the freedom of an indie developer. Not that that's the indie developer part, not the solo part. Because like working in a big company, I feel like if I'm working at a studio like EA or something, I basically would do almost the same work that I do in my normal job right now. Because if you design like a physics system, it's not that different from like, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm working on um, interacting with a device. Like it's not that different. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very specific problem you're working on. You don't really have to influence. When you think about creating a game, you usually think about the game design part and like all the cool things you want to do. And if you're working as a developer on a, in a big studio, you will just have a small solution. And there you can do sometimes like maybe um, have a little bit of influence, but it's like, it's not the same. So that's why I wanted to go as an indie developer. And the solo thing is just that I, to be honest, it's, I don't really like, I don't really know anyone or not a lot of people um, who can, um, who can do graphics because like, that's like the thing that I really want. Like I actually know now someone and I'm already thinking about work, um, going into the next game, maybe working with her. But um, like before that, I really didn't wanted to, um, to have someone um, that I don't know um, getting into the boat because I, I still don't know how much money I will make. So I cannot, I can't really pay them upfront. I would give, need to give them like a percentage of the game, which I don't know what will come out of it. Like it might still not be fair or be way too much. And like, it's like, there's so much new stuff that I didn't want to, to bother with all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe for the next game, I will get an artist because like art is so important and it's, there are people who can do it way better than I. So, <laughs> so I really should get some. Honestly, I like how your game looks right now. It doesn't tell that you were trying to cut corners, <laughs> uh, cut corners with the game, but perhaps <laughs> you can't always be that yeah, happy. No, I mean, like I, I put a strong focus on that the game still looks good, even though that I'm doing it. So. That, that's like one of the reasons why I choose this specific game is so because I knew I can do I can do the particle systems and they kind of look good and like that's the, that's a reason but that that's like not cutting corners I guess but it's like an, a decision like I couldn't do like another game which I maybe would have wanted more okay so do you, it seems that you handle everything in your game from design art and even music or do you sometimes hire someone for a small part like the music maybe so um like um, as I said, I'm doing the um, in-game design myself. Um, the person I talked about before, um, she helps me out. She already did the logo for me, for my company, for Part-Time Indie. Mm -hmm. She is now currently working on um, the the logo for Will Glow the Wisp. And since I am, I basically, um, I will be going to the German Dev Days, which is a conference. 
I got there a free stand to show my game oh. and and a roll-up banner. So um, she's doing the art for that because like I can do like stuff, but it's like not the best. So I will I will just pay her the money up front. So I can yeah I think I can handle that. And the music I just um, take royalty-free music right now. I had one guy who helped me. Like there's one track, one original track in the game. There's like one guy from near where I live, Nuremberg, and he's he wanted to work on the game, but he started and then stopped. But he did like finish one track, so it's still in the game. So there's one track that is original to Will Glow the Wisp, and all the rest are not. But I spent like quite a lot of time to find the correct music, I think. And I think actually I get um, good feedback from the music, so I'm quite happy right now. Yeah. It, it did seem to fit uh, in the game, and since the game is more like puzzle platformer, it's it fits. It it can work. There isn't like uh, there is this attack scene or uh, defense castle event. It it yeah. works to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so too. Like if there's like yeah, if there would be like a combat um, thing where you have to switch music, it would be a lot harder to get good music. I think. But yeah, and the sound effects. Um, it's just a Unity asset. Like. I bought like the, there's like a Unity asset. It's called I don't know what it's called, but it has like over a thousand sounds. Wow! And I and I take those and then I edit them a little bit and then then I'm fine. So yeah, that's what I'm using. I, I don't even know what it's called. I can take a look later um, and then maybe tell you. Yeah. All right. So throughout the development cycle, you've been very generous with frequent frequent development video logs that you explain your. Uh, thinking process, how to tackle uh, s- certain elements in the game. How do you think this have contributed to the game's popularity and did it result in shaping the game through feedback from users in a better way or not? Yeah, so um, I think the development blocks themselves um, did not help a lot in popularity. Like there's a little bit of stuff like being on this podcast, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I only got that um, through the development blocks, but there's like very little, very little impact. I feel like it's hard to say, mm-hmm. but it's, I feel it's very little impact. Um, but what it really helped me with is like, first of all, it's always good if you talk about it, just like your ideas. And if you explain it to someone, you think about it in another way, which helps a lot. So you can actually find like flaws in your thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, also, um, because I released early versions of the game, which did not, like, there were not, like, a ton of people playing them, but, like, some, it actually helped a lot in shaping the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I gave the game to um, some YouTubers at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I don't know how how much, um, how much feedback I... It's absolutely unbelievable how much changed because of seeing people playing the game and like it's i think it's actually a really good thing if you get like some really unknown youtubers because like you don't really want to have like for me it was just pure luck because i wanted to have even bigger youtubers but nobody reacted basically mm-hmm. so but they were like really small youtubers and they just played the game and i could take a look at um while they're playing and seeing like hearing them talk and everything it was i think a really great experience for me and to help make the game a lot better i think because they they had a really hard time at the beginning a lot of them so that's something you'd recommend other game developers to yes approach and you don't think there might be some problem with leaking your game ideas before it's released you feel that's not an issue 
Yeah, I I don't know. Like, um, I I think that um, most people overestimate um, their ideas mm-hmm. and underestimate not only how much work it is to finish it, but how it really will be in the end. Because like you can, first of all, you don't know if your idea is any good. Even if you think it's the best one in your head, you, you don't know until you try it. Mm-hmm. And even if you have like a prototype, it's like, it's like still nothing. Like if you just imagine like there has to be another guy sitting there and thinking, this idea is so good that I'm not going to fulfill my own dreams basically. Because it would make more, more more sense from a money perspective to to chase this idea, and it also needs to be that not only that, but it it needs to be like the idea needs to be different because you that's why you're hiding it, right? Because mm-hmm. like cloning, I think the problem once your game is popular and then it's getting cloned, that's like very common. Like you see Flappy Bird on Android and like mm-hmm. 10 million clones, but nobody would have copied Flappy Bird before it was successful. It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense from a financial perspective. Like, how can you know which game is a hit and which not? Like, publishers don't know. N- nobody knows. So why should anybody else, like, make a bet on, on your game idea? It doesn't make really sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, that makes sense. However, there, were, there was one unfortunate incident. I saw a game. I was at DevGam in Hamburg, uh, mm-hmm. I think, last year or year before. And mm-hmm. there was this amazing uh, puzzle platformer game. Okay. Uh, the guy was still working on it, and then he got a publisher to sign sign the game. Yes. And while I was still developing it, I saw them tweeting that someone just copied the idea, the design, and released a similar game before them. And that was really awful. But how is that even possible? How are they so fast? Like, that's the next thing. Like, games take a long time. How? Like, if you are already at the show, like, how... How can they be so fast? It's insane. I like, think they take their time to polish their game, develop more levels. They want to mm-hmm. refine it, and someone else doesn't care. He just yeah, want to publish yeah. anything. And that's easy to do if you don't care about the quality. You just want to be there first with the idea. I, I guess, but like, was the other game successful or not? Like, because, uh, I, like, even, I'm not sure, honestly. Because like, even if they release it before you, if the game just sucks, it will not really hurt you, to be honest. Like, if, like imagine like there's a... like. If there would be a game, like there probably was a game like Portal before mm-hmm. that just wasn't as good and people didn't really care. Like there was a game for before Minecraft, which was mm-hmm. basically the same, but people didn't really care because it was just not good enough. So like it's hard for me, like obviously there can be like if you have an idea that is so different and like so obviously good, like then maybe you can hide it. But like most games, I think like Basically, almost all of them, people will not, like, if you ask other people, they will not even be saying, like, oh, that's a great idea. They will say, yeah, that, that sounds interesting. Maybe I will try. But, like, it, it needs to be something so unique and so, like, I think it's very rare that you get um, onto this. Like, maybe if you have a prototype and you show it early and people actually feel it, it might be a problem. But then you should be already ahead in the game of other people. So, like... At that point, it also gets risky for them to copy because if you release first, then <laughs> that's actually really bad for them. If they start copying and then they are still second, <laughs> that mm-hmm. would be hilarious. Like, oh, we also released it just one month after you. Too bad. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Will Claw the Wisp just made it into Steam Greenlight a few days ago, if I'm correct, two days. Congratulations on that first. Yeah, thanks a lot. 
Uh, I never doubted the game would uh, make it, but from what I see, it seems to have managed to get in fairly quickly compared to other games. Uh, why do you think is that? What do you think contributed to getting quickly through the Steam Greenlight, and what would you advise others to do? So, I I don't know how the Steam algorithm is, but um, what from my from my very limited experience, like this one game. I had an initial spike, which was actually not that big. Like I got, I think, 150 votes maybe mm-hmm. in the first two days. Wow. And that's it. And um, so and basically then you start dropping off the green light thing, which like right now, that's why I think I got that very little votes because um, there are way, a lot of people going to Steam Greenlight because of um, Steam's killing green light. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so that's why you have less time in the, on the front page, basically, and you get less votes. And so what I did, what I think, I don't know if how many people are doing it. I know another person, actually, who didn't do it. Um, I just spent a lot of time um, trying to get people to go to the page. I I recorded another episode where I actually got a, some people like that. Actually, there it actually helped a little bit for me to have some devlogs. Um, because people were, some people were already listening. Like even if it's just like I don't know, ten or twenty people who would be listening to these episodes, um, if they all or like even fifty percent of them go vote, if you only have one hundred votes or one hundred fifty votes, that's actually quite a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I did a lot of um, stuff like that. I posted images on Imgur and Reddit. Like I actually got some. I don't know. It was. Quite lucky, I guess. I found another um, Reddit sub uh, subreddit. I mean, hmm. um, where I did not post images yet, and people seem to really like it there. So I got some people from there, and so I I think I got like 100 more votes hmm. um, via marketing. And maybe Steam is looking after that. But then after a while, I I actually thought I would not make it to Greenlight because um because basically um there was like two or three times um um, there's there's like always these batches where green light takes like two or steam takes 200 games and all gets them greenlit at the same time and so there were like two or three of these batches before i got greenlit and so i was like i don't think i can drive more people to the side i think i'm just giving up so i basically was at a point where i was like I, i cannot do it even if i try I get maybe two, three, four votes, and like maximum, I cannot get more. And so um, I, I was like kind of down a little bit, and then it just came that I'm through, so I was happy again. But as I said, I guess you need to do some marketing, like a little bit at least, like go to Facebook post there, go to Reddit, Imgur helps a little bit. Mm. Yeah, S- stuff like that. Twitter is not good. Twitter... Twitter, you almost get near. Yeah. You, you get a lot, lot of retweets and likes and stuff. Like, not that many. Like, I'm not that huge of a Twitter guy, but I get maybe like, I don't know, 24 retweets and 18 likes. And if I'm lucky, one click on the link, which mm-hmm. I don't know if he even voted, like, he just clicked on the link. So <laughs> it might not even be that he voted. He just looked at the page. So I don't think that's. And like 300 people seeing it, like, I, Twitter was not good for me, but. Facebook, Facebook was fine. There are some Facebook groups. What? Oh, there's one thing I can actually tell people, which, which really helped, mm-hmm. is go to Steam, and there are um, collections. And if you go there, um, you can ask. Like, you need to l- take a little bit care because some people don't like it. But you can ask in the comments, 
mm-hmm. um, for them to get your game into the collection. And that actually drove a lot of traffic. Like that was the single most thing that drove traffic was me contacting collections. I was in the end at 22 collections. Mm-hmm. And so I think like the initial spike was very huge. And then afterwards it basically died down. And then I got like a small little bump up up again, which was like more than anything I can could do myself. And that was from just me going through all the collections saying, hey, if you if you have some time, look at the game. Maybe if you like it, add it to your collection. And like, yeah, I don't know. I did it for maybe 60, 70 collections and I to 20. That's so. very good percentage. That's like 30 percent or yeah, so. Didn't count the collection, so I was mm-hmm. sitting there for an hour and just doing it for all the all the collections that I found, which I where I thought it would fit. Like you also need to check if it fits because they will not feature your game if they just want to see RPGs. So <laughs> oh, okay, uh, thanks a lot for the insight. Yeah, I'm sure it's helpful for others. Uh, did you decide to go to green light right now because it's going to be removed, or was that the right time for you? Yes, it's because it's going to be removed. It's too early, I think. I, for me, it's too early. I, I wanted to have it further on with more levels and everything, but since it's going to be removed, I figured I why not try it now. All right, that works well. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so what tools did you use during the development of Will Glow the Wisp? Yeah. So the engine I'm using is Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of Unity assets I'm using, um, which are worth mentioning. Um, like the... The most important one, I guess, is Particle Playground 3, something like that, yeah, 3, mm-hmm. um, which is basically an addition to the Unity Particle system, and it's really good. Um, it's a really good system. I can recommend it to everyone. There's just one little caveat which people need to know is the code is not the best. You get the full source code, mm-hmm. and you can work with it because I'm actually changing the code, his code. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, because I'm doing very special stuff and like the source code is not the best documented. And it's also like, he, he's like putting a lot of work in, which is nice, but he is also very rigorous in changing it. So sometimes he will do an update and then I will look at it and I'm like, Oh God, everything changed. Now I need to work like one or two days again to get it to work again, how I want it. Yeah. But, but it, overall it's a great system. And what else? Yeah, I've used Dutrine, um, Dutrines for some enemies and some very simple behaviors. And I don't know. I think that's it's like some camera stuff. But like that's mostly it. It's Unity and two or three assets. All right, thanks. Uh, Unity has a bad reputation about for 2D games. How do you feel about that argument? I don't know. I, to be honest, I'm... I'm not familiar with other engines, um, not that familiar at least, yeah. Um, but I don't really understand why, to be honest. Like there, it's like I can understand like in the past the the 2D stuff was not like up to snuff, I guess. But you can do some cool stuff in Unity with with 2D um, 2D games, and like even if people are using it for for 3.5 or 2.5D or whatever it's called, it's like not that different to 2D. It's like instead of having a 3D object, you have a 2D object. Like it might be a little bit bloated if you, if you work on mobile, it might not be the best because it's like making your game bigger than it needs to be. But if you're on Steam, to be honest, I don't think it it doesn't matter. If your game is like 40 or 80 from the ground up, who cares? Nobody cares about that. Like that's not really important. Not for the Steam user. 
Okay. Uh, so, Nikki, if you were to go back in time, what would you do different about your game development career and development of World Glow the Wisp? So, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so, um, I think, what would I do different? I, I would go back in time and tell myself that I um, that I should that I should not work on like I had a bunch of features that were cut later mm-hmm. and I I had a lot of assumptions when I came into the game like I wanted to have it um, procedurally generated and I wanted to have a little editor and I, I wanted to have all these features and I, I just want to go back and tell me like go slowly <laughs> just try first what you really want you don't know you don't really know what you want because i'm i spend a lot of time designing these systems and like i'm using them sometimes a little bit but like not that much so yeah i think that's the that's the biggest mistake and then like there's like small stuff that i learned like i could tell myself so much but if i have to do it like shortly i think that's what i would say okay uh so Tell us about your personal game passion. What kind of games that drives you and you look forward to, you like playing? Yeah, so um, for PC games, I think I'm mostly that guy who plays like one game all the time. Mm-hmm. I was never the guy, and it's like mostly multiplayer games, to be honest. It's like, yeah, even in the past, I, I had like one game. It, was, it started with... I think with StarCraft and Counter-Strike and like I, I'm only always the guy who like plays that like all the time and then um, switches but like from time to time I will play a single player game which I really enjoy and I like so um, there's that and like since I'm getting older there's some um, also like I want to have my ge- games be shorter and so even though like I'm right now playing like a lot of Rocket League and um, the game is only five minutes, like maybe six, if you count all the replay stuff. But that's it, and then you can stop. And it, it always feels to me better if I know, like, I'm only committing, like, right now, a very short amount of time. Even when I end up playing, like, one or two hours, it feels better to know, oh, I can stop basically any time. If I'm starting, like, a huge RPG, which I also um, do quite enjoy... Um, but it always feels like I'm playing two hours and nothing happened. I didn't get anywhere, and like I, it's just so much time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have a game that you played recently that you would suggest? Not mainstream game, maybe some indie game you tried, even if you didn't play through. That you think people should try it. So in the I I was thinking about it. So in the recent past, I guess I played a game. Oh, did I already close it? No, I, because the name is so long. I <laughs> I need to look it up. It's Doctor Langeskov, the Tiger, and the Terrible Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind heist. What say that again? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Langeskov, the Tiger, and the Terrible Cursed Emerald, a whirlwind heist. Okay. So that's it. <laughs> that's a game from the um, guy who did Stanley Parable. Oh, it's a it's a free Steam game, so go and download it right now. It's a it's a free one, I think. Yes. If I know how to I type hope... it, I'll download it. Yes, <laughs> I think it's a free one. Let me just check so that I don't say it wrong because I don't want to say it's free and then it's not. It would not be nice for me. No, okay. But I think it's the free one. Like uh, a friend of mine showed it to me, 
Let me see. It's, yeah, it's a pretty it's weird free. game. It's the free one. It's, I mean, it's a pretty weird name. <laughs> but it's really cool. It's a okay. it's a really nice game. It's a really nice game. It's pretty short, but it, it's free. I actually finished it because it's so short. So yeah, that's that's a nice one. There was another one um, from the Stanley Parable guy, which I played to the end, which I cannot remember right now, which was also quite good. Um, and then there was like I got the hum, um, humble freedom bundle, mm-hmm. and I played one game. Um, yeah, it's Rocket Birds Hardboiled Chicken, which was kind of fun. It's not the best in the world, but it was like pretty cool. And yeah, so the rest I think most people know that I played. Like there's like because I'm a huge guy who buys a lot of um, um, humble bundles, like mm-hmm. um, to to try different games. But um, like Invisible Ink is nice, but I think people know about it. Mm. And like Nuclear Throne. I actually didn't like that that much, but it was also quite good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, yeah. But overall, uh, Team Indie was another one which was really good. Yeah, that one was really good. I really liked it. I actually was surprised how much I liked it. It's fairly simple, but it's uh, like a, a very neat idea. You basically, it's a two D platformer where you where you switch characters. Like mm-hmm. you, the, the isn't isn't it even a one button game? I don't know. Like, but there's like basically the characters will freeze in time somewhere on the map, and once you jump onto them, mm-hmm. you will you will change character and be them, and then you have to solve puzzle puzzles that way. So mm-hmm. it was quite interesting. It was quite a nice game. I li- I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendations. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so Aniki, uh, we're reaching the end of the show. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yes, um, so I already said it before, but um, if you're going to the German Dev Days, um, it would be nice if you come and say hi. Um, I will be at the We'll Go to Wisp stand, so um, I think you can, will find me. And also, if you um, want to, you can check out my website, which is um, www.parttimeindie.com, where you can find out more about the game. Yeah. Great. All right, well, uh, thanks so much for being the guest of the second podcast on Skirmish and wish you all the best with World Glow the Wisp and your uh, exhibition. Yeah, thanks a, lo- thanks a lot, and it was a, um, an honor to be on the show. Honor is ours. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.